The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us is one of the Democratic candidates for governor in the primary race there down in Florida. Nikki Freed is the Secretary of Agriculture currently. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Good morning. It's good to be back on. Um, so you actually just released a brand new ad, which I it really was um, striking because um, I don't know that I sort of had cataloged this fact in my brain. It should be obvious because there are so few um, women governors and there have been zero black women governors in America, in American history. Um, but Florida has had 46 governors and they're all dudes, <laughs> uh, all <laughs> dudes. White men. Um, yes, white men. And so in your ad, which you, you just put out, um, that's going to run um, in a lot of the bigger parts of bigger um counties in florida you're basically walking through (laughs) a whole bunch of dudes and you're like we need something new here i mean why do you think it's so important for florida right now to sort of break the glass ceiling and why are you the one to do it well i think it's important just to where we are in, in our society you know with the overturning of roe v wade um, the fact that all of our, our minority groups are on the chopping block, um, that we are seeing a, a Governor DeSantis going after our Black community, our LGBTQ plus community, our immigrant community, our women. Um, and so it's really important that we're having somebody who is a fierce fighter and somebody who understands um, what it's like to be underestimated their whole life and having to work harder to get to where we are. And I say this to, to women and, and to young girls all the time, because I'm also the first female commissioner of agriculture, not just in Florida, but the entire Southeast. And, and I get asked that question, well, what, did that make a difference? And I said, look, I am showing young girls that anything is possible, um, especially like something like being in politics and being in the agriculture, which is a, a typically very white, old male uh, dominated industry. And, and so being able to break that glass ceiling to show uh, the next generation that anything is possible, just follow your heart, follow your passion, follow your dreams. And I think that in a time like this, where we need new leadership, somebody who understands what it means to fight for what they believe in, um, is why I think it's time for, for more women to be running for office, more women to be getting elected to office. And why me? Um, look, you know, I was, you know, I, I've said this back in 2018. I am like everybody else. I just on on one day in 2018 decided to put my name on, on a ballot and and to work for it. And, and that's where it is today. Um, I'm somebody who has always dedicated my life to serving other people. And it, this is a time when we need to be coming together as women and saying enough is enough. Um, our rights are being taken away um, by, by white men. And, and it's time for us to see women leaders all across the country. You mentioned 2018 and it feels you know, apt to, to, to ask you about your decision to jump into the race um, for agriculture. Um, because I think probably it's probably easier the first time you're deciding to run 
um, than for any higher office after that. Um, and I bet the decision to run for governor might have been a little bit easier than the decision to run at all originally. Um, but 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 tell us more about that, because I think, you know, you're, it's a good example of um, that. It's it's not insurmountable. It's not so scary if you've never done it before. And all of the people that contacted Emily's List and run for something and all of these organizations that have um, helped people figure out how to do some, you know, how to give back to the communities, essentially, because people are deciding I, I can be a leader in my community. I mean, what what was it for you that made you say, I'm the right person for this moment? I'm going to step up here. Um, and it's an emergency. Yeah, you know, in 2018, it was it was definitely a hard decision because you're right. You know, going from what I, I said in my announcement video, my um, inauguration video in 2018 was, you know, I went from citizen freed to elected freed, and the, the transition from being just a you know, somebody who can go to the gym without anybody being not, you know noticing who I am or going to the food store, um, and that changed in 2018 and making that decision to to put away my my personal life and. Um, being just a private citizen is a hard step. It's a hard jump to, to do, knowing that, especially in a time with social media and 24-hour news cycles, that you're always under a microscope from, the, from then on, basically, for the rest of your life. But I couldn't sit back. I had been doing uh, practicing law for, at that time, almost about 15 years, and saw the corruption in Tallahassee, saw as a past public defender that our criminal justice system wasn't working for the people. Uh, and I just couldn't watch anymore. And I finally, in 2018, was also um, after Trump's election and, and saw that we we're having more women stepping up and, and trying to counter some of the aggression and um, misogyny that we we're seeing coming out of the Trump administration. Uh, and I said, look, if there's ever going to be a time for me to take this bold move, uh, let's do it. And, and, you know, certainly everybody thought I was absolutely out of my mind. Uh, a Jewish girl from Miami running for commissioner of agriculture for the state of Florida, where there's never been a female, there's never been um, a statewide Jewish elected and hasn't been somebody from the Jewish community elected in Florida uh, in a statewide in almost 40 years. So it was definitely a, a large, uh, you know, huge leap of faith. Um, but I had a lot of people around me that I, I confided in and listened to. But at the end of the day, um, I, I just knew that I couldn't sit back and watch anymore and had to put all of my my energy, my my willingness to to want to do good uh, on the ballot box. And it feels like um, it was probably a good time <laughs> because <laughs> we didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. Like, no one knew that. Um, you know, we would start 2020. I remember New Year's Eve in 2020. It was like, Happy New Year. And you just like mm -hmm. didn't know what was coming next. Like no one knew. Um, and I think about that a lot. Um, because, you know, we have the people in power that we have put there as, um, as voters. Um, and sometimes there are really, really big emergencies. And then the people that we've put into power are tested. Um, their leadership skills are tested. I feel like Ron DeSantis, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of debate over ha how he has navigated the pandemic, um, how Florida has performed during the pandemic. We've talked previously about how Florida has been impacted by the pandemic. How do you assess his performance um, and, and what types of things do you think need to be done differently and you plan on doing them differently if you are elected? Yeah, and you and I have talked definitely in length during this during the height of the pandemic about all of this, and I give him an F for for his his leadership style, um, and I, and this is one of my biggest critiques of his, is that during a time when people were scared, 
Um, and, and right now, sure, it's been politicized and everybody, you know, hindsight. But at that time, you had people very scared. Republican Democrats, this was not politicized at the very beginning. You had people very worried. You had people dying. You had people seeing their family members in hospitals. That, you know, no one knew what was going to happen with their small businesses. And during that time, that's when leaders need to step up, you know, calm the waters, be a, a consistent uh, voice of, of calmness of providing information and knowledge. And while things were constantly changing, being able to get in front of the people every day and say, look, this is what we know today. This is the precautions we're taking. Um, we, here's our hotlines for information. And unfortunately, that's not what he did. Um, he basically barricaded himself in, in a very small circle of people, of, of advisors, didn't listen to you know, real medical experts, was only really kind of flowing with the White House um, and really yelled at media uh, yelled at people that that didn't agree with him. You know, cut off our Surgeon General at the time. Not not the quack that we have today, but at the time, our Surgeon General um, was trying to to be that calming voice, and he was taken out of the equation. And, and so he he instilled more fear and more anger when when people needed a, a sounding, consistent voice of leadership. And even during the summer, when the the spikes were happening again last you know in 2020, he went MIA. He, he was, you know, fundraising, he was opening up the state, he was just kind of bullish on everything. And we had to go out there and every single day have a press conference with the latest of CDC numbers, because remember, he pulled down our dashboard. Okay. And so yeah. people didn't even have information. We didn't know where the, it was going. I was the one who was calling the local elected officials. He wouldn't talk to mayors who were the, the boots on the ground trying to protect their communities. In fact, yelled at them, took away testing sites that they dare, you know, cross his path wouldn't put vaccine locations in some areas because they had a differences of opinions with local electeds. That's not how you govern a state of 22 million people that are very diverse, that is very purple. Um, and, and this should have never been politicized. And unfortunately, that's what he did. And, and so in my administration, um, I have said day one, transparency, consistent leadership, um, and listening to different sides and different conversations and presenting those arguments to people so they can make the right decisions for themselves, for their family members and for their businesses. It reminds me when I when I think about the way that reportedly he he sort of runs um, things down in Florida. It reminds me a little bit of Chris Christie up in New Jersey. I mean, I'm from New Jersey, so um, paid a lot of attention to Bridgegate. Um, but yes. one of the and, and like put all of like what happened in that specific instance to the side, one of the th sort of thematic things was that um, there's sort of like a resentful, um, revengeful administration mm -hmm. that if you cross them, you get punished. And that is something that I'm seeing in reporting that is happening down in Florida um, with Ron DeSantis. You know, he's punishing corporations that he thinks are woke too woke what does that even mean i mean mm -hmm. do do you yeah. as you sort of assess trying to um uh win the democratic primary and potentially face off against him you know what are some of the things that you observe are very problematic uh, potentially um with regards to the the sort of like mean-spiritedness of his tenure as governor um where he uses these culture war wedge issues like critical race theory and american history and lgbtq plus representation um to punish his quote perceived enemies yeah that, that's exactly i think you just summed it up beautifully um he is that type of person um vengeful 
Um, look what he did to Disney. You know, Disney, you know, spoke up Disney. We're talking about one of the largest corporations in the state of Florida, both for economic, but also for jobs. And they dared cross him on a piece of on the, on the don't say gay bill. And he went out and in a matter of 48 hours in a special session, took away and stripped um, their self-governing of their community, um, which has been in existence for, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly the exact date, but it's like the 1960s, like, um, so forever in a day. And there was never any problem with this governing until which time that they crossed him. And just giving you an example, yesterday I was on the phone um, with some of our black farmers who are trying to apply for one of the medical marijuana licenses, one of the, the, the one sacred license that was put aside for our black farmer. And it's been in our state statute since 2017 that that license should have been given out. They finally put out the applications. Um, they were due at the end of March. We're still waiting for that license to be handed out. And I have been giving advice that there was 12 applicants and I said that we need to be moving forward on some real action, whether it's a press conference to put pressure, whether it's a lawsuit. And the response is, well, unless all 12 of us are doing it together, we can't go out on the limb because this guy is, is had, takes out revenge on people. And if we go out and do a press conference trying to force them to, to put out these applications, we're not going to get the license because that's who this person is. And we're seeing it time and time again, no matter who you are, if you're the cruise line industry, he went after you. If you are a, a mayor who doesn't supportive of his administration, you know, he's withholding money. If you're a legislator, I mean, I, I heard a, a horrific story two weeks ago that there was a legislator who's running for the Senate. Uh, she's a Republican and she voted against the insurance um, bill that was in our special session. He actually put a call to action for anybody who wants to run against her that he will have their endorsement. And this is who this guy is. Um, he doesn't care about the well-being of the people of our state. He doesn't care about governing. It's all about power. And if anybody dare crosses him, um, they're going to feel his wrath, including um, people from his own party. And, and this is not how you're supposed to govern. You're supposed to govern in an opportunity to bring people together, and especially a state that really is purple. He won by 34,000 votes right. out of a state of 22 million. Right. I, let's put this in perspective here. He doesn't have a mandate. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's really important for people across the country to understand DeSantis is beatable, um, but we need the national narrative to, to kind of start to shift and say, look, this is possible. Don't give up on Florida. Um, we've got a great candidate here who knows how to take him on, been in his head for three and a half years. I make him nervous and we got to make sure that people in our state understand this is not inevitable. He can be beat, um, but we need you all hands on deck on this election. I mean, I, I'm glad you reminded folks of how close that that election was, um, because I remember that election night <laughs> being very, very <laughs> anxious. Um, and and again, you know, oftentimes, you know, I think with with some of these Republicans, they, they do want you to believe they have a mandate that they have won by billions of votes um, <laughs> and everybody um, is on board and that Florida is bright red, not purple, um, because it has a Republican legislature. So it's like, oh, it's it's a red state as opposed to it's a little bit more complicated. And you are a statewide elected Democrat, we should point out. So um, yep. you are um, living proof <laughs> that it is possible. Um, one of the things I also wanted to ask you about is related to what I just mentioned in terms of sort of his revenge on, on these corporations, including Disney. Um, and when that first started, I was like, I don't think he's going to win. Like, I, I don't, I still don't feel like um, at the end of the day, like you can go up against Disney and like 
come out unscathed, if you will. I mean, for lack of a better way to describe it, um, just because of their power and influence. And again, they create they do create jobs <laughs> um, and are a huge boon to the state economy. But can you can you talk a bit about he how he's utilized these culture war wedge issues um, and especially in the wake of the Dobbs decision, because he's one of these Republican governors that is, you know, really excited to try to ban abortion. Um, he's very excited about it. <laughs> um, uh, it, you know, like Missouri and other states out there, Kansas, um, as a poor choice Democrat, um, how are you um, looking at the fight ahead when it comes to not only protecting the people in Florida who can get pregnant and protecting their full slate of healthcare options and choices, um, but also doing that in the face of um, the anti-choice movement and DeSantis right now who wants to do everything he can to be as extreme on the issue as possible so that he can run for president. Yeah, I mean, make no mistake about it. Um, if he felt that right now um, it wouldn't hurt him in the polls, he would absolutely call a special session and ban abortion, um, or at least have the heartbeat bill, which in, in essence is a full out ban. And, and, and he celebrated when, when Dobbs came out. Um, I, I very clearly watched um, his tweet um, saying that this was a great win for, for millions and millions and millions. I think he's starting to use a lot of the Trumpism. I think Trump used billions and I think DeSantis is using millions. Um, and, and, and so he celebrated that day where, where I took to the streets with, I, I lost my voice for four days yelling um, as I, I marched and I protested with, with women of all ages um, on the streets in, in, in Miami. And, and that's the difference of our types of leadership is that I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for the women uh, of our state and for those who, who support these women um, because this is a healthcare crisis. We are already hearing the, the horrific stories across our country uh, of, of women waiting, having to wait 31 days while they're hemorrhaging um, until they're, they're really on almost deathbed um, to have a procedure. This is reality today in America, today. And if DeSantis wins another term, I have no doubt in my mind um, that that will be the first priority of the legislative session. And I think that he wanted to do it in September of this year, um, but I think that he's now seeing the polls and saying that that is not what the people of our state want. 67% of Floridians did not want Roe overturned. And I've had an opportunity to talk to a lot of women across our state, not just Democratic women, independent and Republican women, and even Republican women who may say to me, you know, Nikki, I'm pro-life, but I never wanted to see Roe overturned. I never wanted to see, you know, my personal choices and my personal beliefs interfere with somebody else's. And that is really where they're, they're miscalculating this movement that this, you know, uh, pro, you know, anti-choice movement um, is that younger women are not are not with them on this issue. And that's how we're gonna play this come the general election is make sure that people understand that they have a choice right now and to put a pro-choice Democrat in that governor's office to protect their rights. And unfortunately we've seen from the Dobbs decision that they've put out a blueprint of what else comes next, that it's not just um, women's reproductive health care. It could be contraceptives. It could be next um, interracial marriage. It could be next LGBTQ plus. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Everything that is should have been settled law um, is on attack. And I can tell you that I just got sued in my official capacity last week on one of these next culture wars that the Biden administration changed 
and increased their Title IX protections to increase sexual identity. And USDA had to change their posters. It's a poster that says we will not discriminate and list all the types of classes that they won't discriminate against. And they have to go up in our school lunchrooms in order for them to get their money from the USDA for our school lunch program. Um, the DeSantis administration and their commissioner of education um, basically said, you don't have to listen to, to Commissioner Freed or to the USDA. Um, this is this is on you know no, and one of these uh, schools in Tampa Bay um, has actually sued on it um, to increase these culture wars. We're talking about feeding our kids, so these culture wars that they are infringing upon us. Um, I called them actually creepy last week. That they are creepy when they're talking about sexual orientation. No one else is talking about this stuff besides them. And they're bringing it now into our school lunchrooms where children, um, some, we've got 1.5 million Floridians that are, uh, three, excuse me, 3.5 million Floridians that are food insecure and 1.5 of those are children. And these are the kids that they're attacking um, by not putting a poster up in a lunchroom. I mean, th this is what I mean when I say like the revenge thing is a problem because, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, even, when, when I think about uh, the tenure of the governor of New York, I mean, New York and New Jersey doing great picking governors, you guys. <laughs> um, but even just the, the Governor Cuomo, one of the things that was revealed about um, his administration after the fact was that, you know, he spent so much time getting revenge on people he was mad at. He wasn't governing. He wasn't governing during COVID. And so I feel like a poster, that's so silly. Why even spend time on that? Why is that even a part of your thought process? Like, why is that even in your brain? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Climate change is real. Florida is going to be impacted by it more than a lot of other states in the country. Not that, you know, because Kentucky probably thought that they were immune, but now they're living through the life and death reality um, that the problem is very much existential here and needs to be dealt with. I mean, last question, when you think about you know, all of the issues that we're dealing with right now, COVID, pandemic, um, insurrection, um, and you think about a future of Florida being governed by Ron DeSantis for another term, or even him potentially running to run everything, how does that make you feel? Look, DeSantis has got to be one of the most dangerous individuals out there right now, um, that he is focusing on, you know, obviously running for president, not focusing on the people of our state. He, we have, we in here in the floor, state of Florida, our inflation is higher, our gas prices are higher, our property insurance is higher, our property taxes are higher, our rent is higher. That is on him. And the fact that he's playing these culture wars in, in the detriment of, of the people on the ground, and, and he's winning on the culture wars regarding, you know, the policies that he's putting into place. He's taking away people's rights to vote. We have Nazis literal Nazis that are, are marching on our streets and outside of our convention halls, holding posters with his face on it. Um, and I had to go out to where they were the following day and denounce the Nazis. And still today he has said nothing, nothing about it. This is the fourth time that I've asked him on separate occasions to denounce Nazis and he's refusing to do so. Uh, the last time he said anything, he actually turned around and blamed Democrats for it. Um, this is a guy who is the most dangerous individual to democracy in the nation, more so than Trump. And people across the nation need to understand that our last attempt to take him down is this November. Um, so which is why I am fighting every single day to be out there on the campaign trail to make sure that that I am out there with a, a, a steady voice 
um, steady leadership and showing people, look, we don't have to go down this path. Government is supposed to be a, a place where you, you help people, not hurt people. Um, what they have done is overstepped every single time, taking away power away from the local governments, taking away power away from um, school boards, uh, from our cabinet, from even the legislature. And it's enough. And that's why we have to fight back. Power should be used to help people, not hurt people. That's a yep. very, very good quote. I like that. Nikki Fried, thank you so much for being here running for governor of Florida. The primary is coming up down in Florida. So if you're down in Florida and you liked what you just heard, you know how to get involved, get engaged. Can you just tell people what the website is quickly before we before we break? Absolutely. NikkiFried.com. That's N-I-K-K-I-F-R-I-E-D.com. Has all my contact information, platform, ways to get involved. Um, so thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, you guys. Um, I love engaged citizenry uh, and organizers. So do your best. Do your best out there. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.